Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. And I'm this morning. Father, how thankful we are. You've been better to us than we deserve. And we are thankful for every life that has been impacted and changed by what you're doing around here. We're thankful that what you do around here doesn't stay here, that it reaches out beyond these four walls and we see lives changed on a daily basis. God, we're thankful for that. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. And because we've seen you do so many great things, we can confidently this morning bring our movers to you. These individuals that don't know you, that we so desperately long to see come into relationship with your son Jesus. We pray over them. God, we've seen 24 this year. We're thankful for every soul, every life that's been changed. But God, we're not satisfied. It's not that we discount or take for granted what you've done. We just believe that the promise has been made that there's a great harvest coming. And so, Father, we bring our movers to you and we ask you to change them, to turn their hearts towards you. God, use us. We know that, that you're moved by them. I pray that you would move us by them, that we would go to you in prayer. We would daily pray over these people and we would be moved to do something about it. God, I pray that you would allow us to lead them and bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus because we believe their lives will be changed forever. And Father, we're quick to say this. We won't take credit. We won't say this is about us. We will declare that everything that is accomplished is by one person only, and that is your Son, Jesus. To Him be all glory and honor and power and praise and thanksgiving. Together we say thank you for what you're accomplishing here and in and through us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for what God's doing. Amen. Well, we've been in a series the last couple of weeks, last three weeks. In fact, we've been talking about factors that frame your world. We, we spent three weeks talking about what I believe is perhaps the greatest influence, the greatest uh, factor in your life. We've been talking about how we think. We said that how you think frames your life. Now, we, we said some things that I want to refresh. Some of you weren't here. Some of you missed a Sunday. And I want to try to catch you up as quickly as I can. We said that how you think is important because your perceptions become your realities. How you begin to think, the, 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 the wisest man said it like this, how you think in your heart, that's how you'll be. Your perceptions become realities. That's why it's so important for you to have people in your life that say, hey, you're not seeing things clearly. You need to see things differently. You need those kind of people in your life. I, I talk to you about how you think because what gets in your head gets in your feet. And if you're not careful, the enemy will paint pictures for you that will cause you to run away from things you were not supposed to run away from. Everybody said, amen. Yeah, you've got to be careful. I told you that the, every problem that you're ever going to get out of, you're going to get out of head first. You got to change how you think. That's why Paul said we got to transform our lives by renewing our minds because when we think differently, we are different. And so that that that's just how it is. You got to come out head first. I, I I told you that we needed a daily mind fix. This is not a one one stop come to the altar for 30 seconds and then your life will never you'll never have to think about how you think again. No, this is a daily process by which you daily renew your mind. And and I said that that it that's important because if you fix your mind, you fix your behavior. 
Yeah, we always want to fix behavior and never want to deal with the thought process. But how many of you know that if you fix the way you think, you will also fix the way you behave? That's right. Yeah. But I also warned you, you got to be careful because the mind is mean. How many of you know every new thought is violently resisted by every old thought, right? When, you, when, you, when you're trying to change the way you think, your mind is, it, the Bible says that it's at war. It's enmity with God. It, there's this internal carnal fight going on that when you're trying to think spiritual thoughts, your, your carnal mind rises up and does warfare. So if you're going to change your mind, you've got to be ready to go to battle. You've got to be ready to fight. And I said, okay, well, if that's all true, and it is, then how do we change our minds? How do we change the way we think? And so last week we talked about this, that we need to be brainwashed. We need to constantly wash our brain because our brain is being influenced by all these things around us to try to teach us how to think. And we said that if we were going to change the way we think, then there's, there's some things that have got to happen. Number one, you've got to think like Jesus. The mind of Christ must become your mind. Do you remember how Jesus thinks? Do you remember what he thought about? Number one, he thought about the kingdom. Right. He, he wasn't worried about anything else but the kingdom. How do I expand the kingdom? How do I extend the kingdom? How do I serve my father? Some of us are so overcome by thinking about everything else that we never stop and think about the kingdom. Seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And Yeah, I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah, we think about the kingdom. Then he thought about service. He was always constant. The Bible says that he said about himself that he didn't come to be served but to serve. He was a great servant. He was constantly concerned about the people around him. How do I serve other people? And I said to you, if you're going to think like Jesus, you've got to quit thinking about you. You've got to start thinking about the people around you. And how can I serve people? Are y'all awake this morning? I know y'all like got all that stuff going on in you that turkey causes. What's that stuff called that? Yeah, yeah, that stuff. That, that I know you'd sleep. wake up and listen this morning. Listen carefully. You got to serve somebody. Yeah, and then he thought about death. And, and I said, well, that was pretty morbid. Think about death. No, he thought with the end in mind. That would stop us from making snap decisions that impact us for generations to come. We would think about the end and say, hey, what am I going to do right now that will leave a legacy and impact people that come after me? How am I going to? It would change the way we make decisions. So we think like Jesus. The second way we brainwash ourselves is this. We think on good things. The Bible gives us a long list. Think on things that are noble. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that are righteous. I hate that passage of Scripture. I could watch anything I wanted to watch. If it wasn't for that passage of Scripture, I could listen to anything I wanted to listen to. I could say anything I want. If it wasn't for that passage of Scripture. And listen, you will not change your mind if you don't think on the right things. Garbage in equals garbage out. You've got to think on the right stuff. And then I said, you got to, the, the third way you wash your brain is you wash in the word. And you remember how we said you do that? You, you hear the word first. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. You need to be in a church where you're hearing the word. But it doesn't just stop at church. You ought to be listening to your word on the way home. You ought to be spending time listening to the word all throughout your week. Because as you listen to the word, it shapes how you think. But they didn't stop there. I said, second, you got to speak the word. Yeah, you, I, I challenged you, I hope you did it, that you would learn four or five passages of Scripture over the course of the next four to five months that you could quote that are applicable to your situation. If you're sick, you ought to be speaking healing passages of Scripture over your life. If you're weak, you ought to be speaking passages over your life that deal with strength. If you're broke, you ought to be speaking some verses of Scripture over your life that deal with provision. Because as you speak the Word, it washes your brain. 
And then the third part of that was that not only do we hear the word, speak the word, we meditate on the word. And you will remember what I said. Meditate means to chew. And you can't speak the word if you're not chewing on the word. You can't say what's not already in your mouth. And it, as, you be, as you begin to recite and speak the word over and over and over again, and you begin to think about what the word means and how that applies to you, you get to that moment that we talked about where you bow up and say, hey, this, this promise is for me. Get off my case, devil, because this is what the word says as you meditate that's how we wash our brains and so today I want to deal with the second factor uh, it is true that our mind is powerful and how we think shapes our lives that's why I took three weeks to deal with your mind but this morning I want to kind of land this plane and in this series by dealing with the second factor that I think is so important to understand as it influences your life because it will shape you if you're not careful. Now, when we started, we, we visited information, instruction, if you will, from the wisest man. And you'll remember that I read to you out of Proverbs that the wise man said that you need to be careful about what you think because your thoughts run your life. And then I also read to you where he said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? So I think it would be appropriate if we also read what the wise man says about the second factor. Because there is a second factor that we need to deal with. So let's see what Solomon had to say. In Proverbs chapter 12, one verse of Scripture there, verse 26, says this. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Why? For the way of the wicked leads them astray. I want to read that again. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. Astray. The second factor in your life is not only is there a mind frame, there's a friend frame. And who you spend your time with frames your world. I want you to notice, if you will, that this passage of Scripture from Proverbs does not say that it's the other way. I, I wished it worked the other way, but it says the wicked lead the righteous astray. I, I, I got news. I, I'm going to break somebody's heart this morning. You're not the exception to the rule. Some of you are convinced that you are the exception to the rule, that you can hang out with all the wicked folks you want to, and they'll never have any influence over you. But the wisest man said, listen, you need to know that it works like this. The wicked lead the righteous astray, not the other way around. I can't get no help in here. I'm just trying to help you this morning. See, it's why? Because it's easier to pull people down than it is to pull them up. I could illustrate this for you if you would like for me to, but I'm afraid we'd break the chair. What I would do is I'd stand somebody on this chair and put three or four people around them and then instruct the person standing on the chair to pull them up. No luck. Doesn't happen. It, it takes too much strength. But how many of you know that if I said to the guy standing around the chair, pull him down, it would be much easier for them to pull him down. That, that's how it works in life. You need to understand that, that the people you surround yourself will frame your world that's why he says that we've got to understand that there's an incredible impact or influence that friends bring to bear on our world they frame us and so if you will I decided to create a tongue twister to help you remember this we're going to say this together here just in a second we're going to get faster and faster and I'm going to spit on everybody in the first three rows so you might as get get ready for it and get your Kleenex out and here we go out of Solomon's instruction what that teaches us is that we should be picky people pickers picky people pickers all right everybody say that with me here we go picky people pickers all right faster picky people pickers faster picky pick yeah 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 
I, I say that because many of us spend more time picking pets than we do people. Some of us spend more time contemplating, mulling over, trying to make decisions about clothes, trying to make decisions about cars, trying to make decisions about homes and jobs than we ever stop and think about the access we give to people. And I just want to say to you this morning is that, that you've got to be very picky about the people that you pick because the people that you pick <laughs> Almost. Uh, I needed another P. Well, we'll cause you. Uh, well, I'm not even going to try. We'll frame your world if you're not careful. You've got to be very selective about the people that you allow into your life, that you give access to, because they will shape what you think. In fact, I think that in order for you to allow people into your life, they have to be able to pass the litmus test. Now, when I was in science, that's not the litmus test, it's the litmus test. When I was in science, we weren't very technologically advanced back then in the dark ages, and the, the, the coolest thing we ever got to do in science other than dissect a frog was play with litmus paper. Y'all remember that litmus paper that would change colors? Oh, we thought we were something. They don't even use that probably anymore. Now they, like, they just wave their iPhone over it or something, and it changes, I don't know, changes in the Android. And they know that they got the, I don't know. But, but, so, but let me be corny for just a moment and say to you that, that, that if you are going to give people access to your life, they have to pass the litmus test. What are you talking about? I don't understand. Well, Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And here it is. And what communion has light with darkness? That's the light must test. Let me read it to you out of another version. Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Jesus go strolling with the devil? Yeah, I like that. Do trust and mistrust hold hands? That's the litmus test. See, we want to use that passage of Scripture for the well, parents, especially. I'm going to use it on my kids. We like to use it on kids when they're dating somebody we don't want them to date. Can't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. There's only one problem. It does. Oh, by the way, it does apply. Y'all are trying to date. It does apply. But it doesn't stop there. It, it applies to every relationship in our life. It applies to our neighbors. It applies to our coworkers. It applies to our classmates. It applies to the people that we spend our time with. You've got to make sure that they pass the litmus test. And if they don't have any light in them, then they cannot have access to your life. That's what that's, Paul was addressing. He, he walked into a situation where believers were allowing other people that didn't even believe in the resurrection to have access into their life and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 33 he says this evil company corrupts good character he says it like this in another version do not be deceived bad company ruins good morals another version don't fool yourselves bad friends will destroy you you have got to be picky people pickers yeah yeah ask Peter what happens when you hang out with the wrong crowd for too long I need you just to remember. See, we, we, we just think there's just a bunch of Bible stories. They don't really apply. Let me tell you something. These things apply. You think about Peter. Peter walked with Jesus every day. He watched Jesus have bad hair days. He watched Jesus eat pizza late at night and have the end results. 
He watched Peter have, he watched Jesus have great days. He, he walked with Jesus in the flesh for three and a half years. And in the matter of moments, hanging out with the wrong crowd around the fire. Think about this now. In the matter of moments, he completely denies Christ. And yet, you can hang out with the folks you hang out with every day. And you, you can go eat every lunch with them. You can ever spend every minute of the waking. Are you stronger than Peter? What in the world? Why, why do we think that the wise man didn't have it right when he says the wicked lead them astray? you got to be picky about the people you spend your time with. That Peter, probably out of that situation and that, and that experience in his own life, he comes along in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and says this, don't let the errors of wicked people lead you down the wrong path and make you lose your balance. People influence us. So, 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 so Steve, you're saying we shouldn't have any friends that are like non-Christians? That's not what I'm saying. I've taught you better than that. I've taught you that found people find people and that the best way to find people is to spend time with them and get to know them and get involved in their life. What I am saying to you is that you, if you are going to be picky about the people that you pick, then you better set up some boundaries in your life and recognize that people that don't have any light can't tell people who have light how to live. Let me, let, me see if I can, let, me, let me see if I can get right down in your mess. See, I just want to tell you this morning that those in the dark can't give godly counsel. So, some of y'all are seeking godly advice from people that don't know God. You're asking people to give you marriage advice that don't even recognize that there's a third party involved in their marriage. So they just think they're married to their spouse. They, they make no room, even though they made vows before God. They make no room. They make no decisions based on the, the, the influence and the interaction of a third party because God is involved in the relationship whether they recognize it or not. And I'm telling you, you can't get good marriage advice from people that don't acknowledge God as the basis of their marriage. How can darkness speak to light? Can't do it. Some of you trying to get financial advice from folks who don't even make room in their own finances for God's activity. I got news for you. People that don't know light are never going to understand tithing because it requires faith. And so when you ask people that have no light to give you wisdom about your finances, they're never going to be able to clue in to how God's economy and kingdom really work. Y'all listening to me this morning, you got to set some boundaries. Some of you are accepting the morals of folks that don't even see the Word of God as the absolute moral standard. You'll let them shove their morals right down your throat, and then all of a sudden, when we want to start talking Bible and what Jesus believes and what Jesus says, you can't even factor that in anymore because you've accepted, you don't even have a Christian worldview anymore. You've got like a, a Kevian worldview or a Susian worldview or, or a Davian worldview. Your worldview is shaped by the people that you hang out with and they have, in, the people you're hanging out with have influenced your worldview more than Jesus has. And so we'll just believe anything. Oh, I know. I know. But that, that those are Old Testament verses. They don't apply anymore. Really. But that was old stuff. That, we're in the new day keep smoking that crack and see where it leads you 
I'm telling you right now, we should be living our life by what Jesus says. So in other words, you can be friends with them, but you don't need to allow them to shape or frame your spiritual views, your financial views, your relationship views, or your world views. You need to understand that the smartest man that ever lived says you got to be careful because the wicked will lead you astray. Be picky people pickers. Come on, one more time. Say it with me real fast. We're going to say it real Picky people pickers. Yeah, that's what we got to do. We've got we to be careful. We've got to be careful. Why? Why should we be so careful about our friends? Well, let me, let me see if I can help you. What does a friend frame in our lives? Why are people that we are in relationship with so important? I believe that friends are so vitally important, and who you allow in your life is so important because they frame two things for us. Number one, they frame how we see ourselves. The people you spend time with, will shape how you view yourself. I can prove it to you out of the Old Testament. All I have to do is take you into the, the account where ten spies were sent into the promised land. And eight of them, you ought to go back and read the account. They viewed themselves as grasshoppers. Go read it for yourself. It says, that we, we saw all the eight of them come back and say, we saw giants all in the land, and we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. Those eight men come back and influence an entire generation, probably over a million people, and there is an insect infection that takes place in the ranks, and they all start spouting off negative things based on the frame provided by those eight men. They saw themselves a certain way, and they influenced an entire nation to see themselves less than they were. So in other words, what I'm saying to you is the people you spend time with can shape your view of you. There, there's an old question uh, we used to ask a long time ago. We don't hear it much anymore, but I, I just want to ask you the same question we used to ask for generations, and maybe we ought to ask it again. Whose report will you believe? Because your friends look at you and go, you're a loser. And you go, oh, okay, I'm a loser. Your friends look at you and say, you're not all that you should be, and you believe it. What about what God says about you? What about God? what God says about your destiny? What about what God says about your gift? What about what God says about your life? If you're not careful, your friends will frame how you see you. Yeah. Some of you remain defeated. And some of you remain disappointed. And some of you remain covered with doubt simply because you have friends in your life that have caused you to see you wrong. Some of you got friends on Facebook with one little Facebook message. They frame your entire world. I'm preaching, and y'all are staring at me like I'm crazy, but you know it's true. You were doing good until you got that text. You were doing good until you got that one phone call. You were doing good. They frame how you see you. But not only that, it's important to choose the right people. We must be people, picky people pickers because they frame our view of us, but they also frame our view of God. All you have to do is read through the Bible and you find account after account where people framed other people's view of God. I, I'm reminded of how Paul steps in and frames Peter's view of Gentiles. He says, man, God loves those people, Peter. You've got to change the way you think. He framed Peter's whole thought process about Gentiles. Thank God or we wouldn't be sitting here right now. 
So some of you have a very small view of God and you have a very small view of his lack of ability because of your friend's view of God and it has rubbed off on you. Some of you view God as vindictive and think that God doesn't really care about you, not because he's never done anything for you, but because of the people you run with have never acknowledged that God's done anything for them and their vindictive nature towards God and seeing God as uncaring has rubbed off on you. Some of you have allowed your friends to frame your worship. Oh, shoot. That went over like a lead balloon. Some of you won't, you won't worship how you know God has really called you to worship because of the fact that you've allowed people, even sitting in this room right now, some of you are sitting next to friends right now that have framed your worship. I knew that one would be good. Yeah. Our friends frame our view of us, and they frame our view of God. We are who we are because of who we surround ourselves with. Probably the greatest example I can use is to take you back into the Old Testament and remind you of an account about a man named Job. The Bible says that Job was a righteous man, that Job was blessed beyond measure. He had great wealth. He had a great family. He had great provision. And the devil comes to the father one day and challenges him about Job, and, and God says, okay, I'll pull my protection back, and you know what happens. Job experiences great tragedy, great heartache, death. Everything he owns is gone. And so to encourage him, some friends come along to try to lift him up. And I want you to go back. Maybe you ought to go back and read Job for yourself and see what they do. They try to shape Job's frame of himself, and they try to frame God to Job. Go back and read it. Great friends. Man, if you've got friends like this, how many of you know you don't need any enemies? They, they, these friends come along and they begin to try to shape Job's view of himself because Job is saying, I don't know what went wrong. I'm a righteous man. I haven't done anything. I'm living upright and, and no sin in my life. And on occasion after occasion, they say things like this to him. Well, what sin have you committed? I just said I didn't do anything wrong. Oh, you have to be a sinner. You must have done something wrong, Job framing Job's view of Job. They, they, they ask him questions like this. If you were, or make statements like this, if you were innocent, these things wouldn't happen to you. Shaping his image of himself. Then they step one step further and they go off of Job and go on to God. And when Job begins to declare God's righteousness, they say, no, you don't understand that God is punishing you. Job saying, God's merciful. They're saying, no, 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 no. God is punishing you. They're shaping Job, trying to shape Job's view of God. That's how it works. It got so bad that finally God got tired of being misrepresented and stepped in and spoke for himself and said, you guys have spoken so much folly that now I'm telling you right now, if Job doesn't pray for you, I will punish you. Some of you got some friends like that in your life that are completely framing you and your mentality towards you and also framing your view of God. And I'm just saying to you this morning that you need to guard your relationships. 
You need, some of you are framing your life with negativity just because of who you hang out with. I am saying, saying to you that some of you are framing your life with doubt just because of who you're hanging out with. Some of you are shaping your life with anger just because of who you're hanging out with. And you need to guard your relationship with them. By the way, uh, these two factors work together. They work in tandem. How you think is impacted by how by who you hang out with. It's almost like it was kind of planned. It's almost like we had a plan here. See if you can see it. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Who you in step with? Just wondering. Blessed is the one who are you friends with on Facebook. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the, the sinners or, or take, or, let me get that right, in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Here we go. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates. Yeah, oh, wow. Interesting. Meditates on his law day and night. In other words, be careful who you hang out with because that will impact on what, what you think on. Yeah. That, and, and, and here's the end result. If you will hang out with the right people and you will continue to wash your brain with the word, here's the end result. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Yeah, yeah, we shape our world by what we think and who we hang out with. In other words, what I want to say to you this morning as I try to land all this is this. You need to carefully evaluate who your friends are. In fact, when you leave today on the way out, as is our custom, as we always try to do to get you to talk about what we actually talked about here on your way home, we're going to hand you a drive card. And on it, there is homework. It's fun homework. You get to list your top ten friends. I didn't say top ten people on your Facebook. Your top ten friends, the people that you spend your time with, the people that have influence over you. You need to list them name by name and evaluate whether they're actually helping or hurting. And if they're hurting, you need to get rid of them. Oh, you got to get rid of them. I know that's hard, but but you got to get rid of them because they're framing your world. And I'll close with this. I I, I want to draw your attention. I'm not going to read it to you. I just want to draw your attention to it. It's a passage found in Luke chapter 5. I think it is a clear picture of what friends do. In Luke chapter 5, there are four men that have a, a, a an individual that they're friends with that is sick. And the Bible basically gives the description that this man could not do anything for himself. His friends, these four men, hear that Jesus is coming to town. And they make up their mind that the best thing they can do for their friend is get him to Jesus. And so they put him on a bed and they take him to the house where Jesus is going to be preaching. The only problem is, is that when Jesus is in the house, there's usually not any room left over. That's a whole other sermon. So they crawl up to the top of the roof and 
man, talk about bold and determined at somebody's house they don't know. They cut a hole in the roof. And they let this man down to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus heals him. He takes up his bed and he walks home. And I believe that what the Spirit is teaching us today, very simply put, is this. I want you to get this. If you don't get anything else, get this. I believe that your friends have the ability to either lead to to either carry you to Jesus or to carry you away from Jesus. Let, let me give you a little visual illustration this morning. Some of you got some folks in your life that ain't leading you to Jesus. Can I teach you how to deal with them? If they're not leading you to Christ, they're leading you away from Christ. And the Bible says that when somebody is doing that to you, you're not supposed to make them your best friend for life. Oh, you're my BBBBBBF or whatever it is. No, no, no. What I do is I cut the cord and say, I can't spend time with you anymore. I know it hurts, but I got to delete you off my Facebook. I'm not going to answer your text. You're not coming to my house for Thanksgiving. Sorry, I'll send you a turkey in the mail. But I ain't because you are the turkey. You're lead me away from Jesus and he said you people have the ability to either lead you to Jesus to carry you to Jesus or away from Jesus and I've watched some of you allow people that don't have the same morals don't have the same beliefs don't have the same convictions literally carry you away from Jesus and then you come in here crying and snotting asking why is my life falling apart because those friends framed your world and you won't cut them off Preaching. Preaching. That, that's all I know to say is preaching. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm preaching. Go home and delete some folks. Your shoes are getting dusty. And it's time to dust some. Now, now all that, and I'm going to be nice and tell you that that's hard. How many of you recognize that people that frame your world will continue to try to hang on? Because they can't control their world, so they're kind of excited about controlling yours that's hard work but I just want you to frame your world differently I want you to live in victory I want you to live as an overcomer I want you to live as somebody that's blessed I want to see you victorious I want to see you do all that God's got for you and the only way you're going to get that is number one to change the way you think and number two change who you hang out with because the people you hang out with will try to determine how you think be Picky people, pickers. Relationships are important. We frame one another. And so what I want to do this morning is very simple. I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to release you, and I, I, I'm going to ask you to find two or three people, and I want you to look at them in the eye, and I want you to say, you need to be careful with me. You're framing my world. I want you to find somebody. Maybe, maybe you're not best friends with anybody in here, and that's okay. But, but I, I need you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and allow, and allow the, Him to do His work and, and just look at somebody and say, carry me to Jesus. I, I don't want to be carried away from Him any longer. Carry me to Jesus. Maybe the Lord will allow us to frame our worlds differently. Some of you got some homework to do. 
Some of you got some relationships that need to be broken. Some of you got relationships that need to be strengthened. Because God sent them to you to frame your world differently. Father, this morning, what I have talked to my family about today is hard. I recognize that. God, I recognize today that sometimes cutting people off is so difficult to do. But Father, this morning we recognize and we, we acknowledge that we're not the exception to the rule. If we keep hanging out with people that don't see you correctly, then the end result is they will lead us astray. God, I'm praying for some courage to rise up in some folks today, and I'm praying that there will be some folks that will take their shoes off and dust their feet off of some relationships. They will delete some folks from some accounts. They will refuse to take phone calls. They'll quit spending time with people that are framing their world negatively, framing their world with doubt, framing their world with destruction, and instead they will find people to spend their time with that lead and carry them to Jesus. Father, we want to see you change our minds. But we recognize there's a second factor that's working in tandem with our thoughts, who we hang out with, influences how we think. And so, Father, today I pray that we would honestly and openly evaluate relationships. God, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice and watching over the internet would do just a little bit of homework this week and they would literally list out their friends and cut off those that are not carrying them closer to you. Help us to set up the appropriate boundaries. To spend time with people that see us how you see us and that see you correctly. Help us to recognize today that we are being framed one friendship at a time. I pray that you'd help us to become very picky, very selective, very careful. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me this morning? Would you take just a second before Pastor Danny comes and gives you some important information? Would you find two or three people, look them square in the eye and say, Hey, I need you to be careful with me. I need you to lead me to carry me to Jesus. Don't carry me away. Carry me to Him. And then Pastor Danny will have you be seated in just a moment. been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.